listening to the Northside Christian Church Sermon Podcast. These teachings are recorded at our weekly Sunday morning gatherings in Springfield, Missouri. For more about our church, service times, and how to connect, visit northsidechristianchurch.net. The devil's strategy to bring your soul and this society to ruin is threefold. He uses deceptive ideas. That is the devil's tool. To play into your disordered desires, that is your flesh. So that he can use that to be normalized in a sinful society, that is the world. That's how he works. The three enemies of your soul that is wreaking havoc all around you are these three things. It, it, is, it starts in the mind. It starts with his deceptive ideas. This is what we talked about last week as we introduced this new series, as we talked last week about the, the father of lies is on a full attack mode in your mind. And he starts with deceptive ideas that play to your disordered desires. That's the flesh part of you. That is normalized in a sinful society. That's the world around us. And it's how he attacks us. It's why Paul, in 2 Corinthians 2.11, he would write that, I'm writing this in order that Satan might not outwit us. That we would not be unaware of his schemes. Like, Paul knew how Satan works. And he he knows he's going after your thoughts. He's going after your mind. That's what he's attacking. It begins there. And so whether those thoughts that come into your mind are from Satan himself or from a demon or from your own negative experiences or your own shortcomings or weaknesses or inadequacies, whatever it is, those thoughts are setting the course and the direction of your entire life. Author and pastor Craig Rochelle says it this way, who you are today, that is a result of your thoughts in the past. Who you are today is the result of your thoughts in the past. And who you become in the future will reflect what you think about today. The battle is in our minds. Our lives are moving in the direction of our strongest thoughts. And what we think, it shapes who we are. Dallas Willard, who was an American philosopher, and he spoke a lot about spiritual formation. Some of you would recognize the name Dallas Willard. He said this. He said, we're truly at the mercy of our ideas because the ideas we believe in our minds shape the trajectory of our souls. And those ideas shape how we live and, how we, and who we become. And here's the problem with this. Our strongest thoughts are, are often from our strongest shortcomings. Our our strongest weaknesses, those places where we feel so inadequate. In other words, your inner thoughts often are the loudest, screaming the loudest into your head. And it's things like this. You're inadequate. No matter how hard you try, you'll never measure up. You can't change. So why try? You will never get out of debt no matter what you do. So it doesn't matter how you spend. No one really loves you, especially if they knew the real you. You always do something to mess up your relationships. You're a slave to your habits. You're a prisoner to your addictions. You're a victim. You're a failure. You are your past. You are what you did. You're what someone else did to you. You are what others say you are. 
What? You're pregnant? Your girlfriend's pregnant? You can't have this baby. Your life will be ruined. And you'll probably ruin this baby's life. You can't go through this pregnancy. All your dreams will be crushed. It's over. You got to find a way out. You got to impress people if they're going to accept you. You need their approval. Good things don't happen to you, so why do you even try to be successful? You can't say or do anything that will not make people upset with you. You can't trust your spouse. They'll cheat on you just like your mom cheated on your dad. Your best days are behind you. You deserve to be happy. Do what feels good to you right now. Every one of these are lies. And living as if those lies are true will be one of the biggest limiting forces in your life and probably one of the the greatest threats to your personal faith in Jesus Christ. These lies come at us. The, The life we have is a reflection of the thoughts we think. And what we think determines who we become. And when we read through the New Testament, we see even the great Apostle Paul wrestling with his thoughts. I mean, a lot of us oftentimes will go to Romans chapter 7 where he's talking about, I don't do what I want to do. And he's just, he's wrestling and and revealing to you the fight that he goes through. And even says this, as as you realize that he wrestled with his thoughts and, and Paul had to become a thought warrior. In Romans 7, 23 to 24, he says, but I see another law at work in me waging war against the law of my mind and making me a prisoner of the law of sin at work within me. What a wretched man I am. Like, like Paul had this battle in his mind. He saw this, this law of the flesh coming at the law of the mind that was to be set on the law of God. And all of those disordered desires and thoughts that were coming to mind made him have to be a thought warrior. And it just doesn't sound like a guy in the moment who was succeeding, right? It just doesn't sound like a guy who had mastered his thoughts. And yet we would also read Kind of the opposite of that, like in Philippians chapter 4, verse 12, where he's like, I've learned the secret of being content in every situation. It does sound like a guy who had mastered his thoughts. the, The battle was in the mind, and he had become a thought warrior. And you think, well, how how do you win this battle? How do you win in this war that's happening in your mind? And I'd say likely, I suppose, even what he wrote in 2 Corinthians chapter 10 would have a lot to do with that. Even in his own life, it had a lot to do with how he mastered his thoughts. I want us to look at it together. If you have a Bible or device, let's open up to that. 2 Corinthians chapter 10 says a lot about this very thing. We're going to begin in verse 4. And what you're going to notice as we are reading this is Paul uses the word we. We. Like, this isn't just the way that he is in the fight, but it's how we join the fight. It's how we're all in this fight together, that this is the approach we all take to winning the, the battle in our minds. And as Paul is writing this, the, the context of Second Corinthians chapter 10 is he's, he's already been battling these false teachers who were planting false beliefs into the minds of the believers. They were criticizing Paul's ministry. They were undermining his credentials. They were trying to use mind games to get people to not believe the gospel that he was preaching, that were saved by grace through faith in the person of Jesus Christ. And so there was just all kinds of lies that were being spread about him and, and as people talked about him. And, and to, to come against those fallacious logic Here's what he says, 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 4. He says, the weapons we fight with 
are not the weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. Like the weapons we're fighting with right now, it's not body armor, it's not guns or bombs or even money or something else. We use spiritual weapons to fight a spiritual battle against the spiritual strongholds over people's minds so people are no longer prisoners locked by deception. I mean, that's what he meant by the word strongholds. The word strongholds there, that Greek word means a castle or it can mean to fortify. He's like, we have to bring spiritual weapons into this battle against the strongholds, that fortification. In other words, another way to say this, a translation could be against being a prisoner that is locked by deception. That's the kind of spiritual battle we're in. So we're not a prisoner locked by deception in a stronghold that's fortifying us in deception. we got to come at this battle with spiritual weapons. And he says in verse 5, So we demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. So every claim against God, we, we demolish it. And we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. I love this word demolish. The ESV says destroy. Like we're going to destroy every argument against God, every claim against God, every lie that comes into our head that goes against God. That Greek word demolish means like to destroy with massive power. And I just want you to know right now, if we're going to if we're going to destroy with massive power the lies that come into our mind every day on a daily basis, perhaps every minute of our lives, it's not going to be with our own strength. You don't have that kind of wrecking ball power that's going to demolish the strongholds that come against your mind. Because the deceptive ideas that come in, oftentimes those ideas are not planted by you. It's it's planted by the evil one. I don't know how he does it. I just know he does it. I know the evil one and his demons are doing that all the time. And you don't have the power, you don't possess it in and of yourself to win that stronghold. But God does. And he has made that power available to you. And so we have to access the power of God and remove those lies and replace them with the truth. And only the power of God will allow you to demolish those arguments, those strongholds that are in your mind, to take captive every thought that you have and make it obedient to Jesus. I mean, our minds need divine protection. And I know, even based on research right now, we don't do a good job protecting our minds. Like we're, we all, we're almost hypersensitive about protecting the brain. I mean, we'll go to great lengths for that. I mean, even right now, you know, you'll see a little kid, you know, on a big wheel or on a tricycle wearing a helmet. I mean, like that, that did not exist when I was growing up. You never saw that. Uh, That was not an accessory that I had. But when, when people did learn about brain injury and I can be prevented, started wearing the helmet. You get to see kids on little tricycles, bicycles, wearing helmets because we have grown to see the value of protecting the brain. Some of you this evening, you're going to watch some playoff football when the Chiefs beat the Bills. You're excited about that. You're going to watch it when it happens. I also know some of you crazy people were at the game last week. It, it was the fourth coldest game in NFL history. The Chiefs are playing. It's minus four degrees, minus 20 wind chill. And some of you were there because I saw the pictures and saw you there. And, and that just goes to show some of you are not concerned about your brains. Like some of you got... 
anyway, that's, we'll go there later, but you were there and some of you, maybe if you were there, you didn't notice this. Maybe you had to see it on TV to watch it when it was like midway through the third quarter, Mahomes is going, he's going for the goal line and a safety there for the Dolphins meets him and they collide helmets crash. It cracks Mahomes helmet. A piece of the outer layer of that red piece of his helmet goes flying off of his helmet. And uh, so people are like, you know, whoa, the helmet manufacturer is like, it did its job. Um, Which is true. Uh, We now have these new state-of-the-art helmets, these concussion helmets that are designed to protect the brain. It's in the technology and how they're created. And then we even have, as you know, all the way from kids' sports, all the way through concussion protocol now to protect the brain. And you have, you have guys, you didn't even see anything happen. And all of a sudden the refs are pulling some guy off the field because someone who's watching cameras somewhere said, you know, we didn't like, it didn't look good the way he got hit or the way he responded. We want to have his brain checked out. And so they sent him off for some concussion protocol because we were so concerned about protecting the brain. But what about your mind? Unlike your brain, you don't have a skull for your mind. You don't have a helmet for your mind. Whatever you allow into your mind or into that area to think about and to ponder affects you. And you may not have brain damage, but you have mind damage. And which is more dangerous, actually? We expose our minds all the time. The brain directs the natural function of the body, but the mind directs our thinking, our reasoning, our behavior, who we become, and what we allow into our minds. It remains in our minds. It dwells in our minds. It has huge implications for our minds. And because of that, so many of us, what we're battling right now is is maybe not brain disease, but it's mind disease. We're sick. We're spiritually, mentally, emotionally, relationally sick. And the Bible speaks how this battle is in our minds and how important it is. Like in Romans chapter 8, verse 6, where it says, The mind that is set on the flesh is death. Like you have a terminal mind disease. Whenever your mind is set on the things of the flesh and of this world, which is what Satan wants for you. It's why he's planting those deceptive ideas into your mind. But... The mind set on the spirit is life and peace. It's life-giving. And it's peace for your soul, for your mind. This is what God wants to give you. And your cooperation with the Holy Spirit is essential to becoming a thought warrior. And if we're going to become thought warriors, we've got to take some steps. And I want to just show you some of these steps as we battle along with the power of the Holy Spirit in our lives. Because you can't do it in and of yourself. It's going to be strength in the Holy Spirit. But there are some things you do to participate in this that will help you come out of whatever mind disease you're in right now and to avoid death. And here's the first thing right here. We need to reject unproductive thoughts. We need to reject the unproductive thoughts. They will come into your mind because it's how Satan works. I don't know how, but it just does. Where at times you're like, why did I just think that? How did that even come to my mind right now that I would think that or even start to ponder that? It can happen in the craziest moments. 
reading scripture. You can be in prayer. You can be preparing to take communion. The evil one will plant deceptive ideas to distract you and lead you astray. He works in this way. We have to reject the unproductive thoughts, the negative thoughts, the anxious thoughts, the discontented thoughts, the critical thoughts, the ungodly thoughts. We need to reject them. In other words, here's a way to think about this. A Christ-like mind is impossible without the discipline of refusal. The discipline of refusal. I refuse to think and dwell on that thought. I reject it. That's one of the first things that we're going to have to do with these thoughts that come to our mind that are not productive or helpful. We've got to reject them. Number two is this. We need to filter out bad thoughts. This is one of the reasons why we have mind disease. Mind damage is because we don't filter. Filtering out the thought is different than rejecting the thought in this. Filtering is a process of acting proactively so that the thoughts are not entering into your mind. It's acting proactively so that those thoughts are not finding their way into your thinking. It's, it's knowing the triggers that lead us into unproductive thoughts and avoiding them before they actually have an opportunity to take root. It's like a water filter that that filters out the impurities before it ever reaches your glass or your mouth. It's filtering it out before it ever comes to you. And you can do that whenever you find ways to filter out the activities or the behaviors or the situations or the environments or Whatever those triggers are that bring those thoughts to your mind, you can filter it out in the first place. Maybe for you that means not mindlessly scrolling on Facebook or mindlessly scrolling through Instagram and and just inviting those things to come in. Maybe it it means I'm not going to binge watch Netflix with certain shows that show more murders, adulteries, and perversions in one week than the average person saw in a lifetime just 50 years ago. Maybe it's finding a way to filter it out proactively to help your mind become healthy and whole so that you're not playing to your disordered desires and feeding your flesh, which just induces more negative thoughts and destructive thoughts. John Mark Comer in his book, Live No Lies, which by the way, I'm recommending John Mark Comer's book, Live No Lies. I'm also recommending Craig Rochelle's book, Winning the War in Your Mind, which we've been using as a resource in this series. But he says there in his book, Live No Lies, that the prophet Habakkuk said that God's eyes are too pure to even look on evil. And yet we do it for entertainment. We don't even stop to consider this could be a ploy of the father of lies to wreak havoc into your life. It's his ploy. It's how he works to put deceptive ideas into your head. And John McComer says this, everything we allow into our minds, it affects our souls, whether it's for good or for evil. And a little research in neurobiology reveals specifically how what we see affects our mirror neurons and how thoughts enter the mind, creating neural pathways in our brains, which create DNA proteins in our nervous systems which are then disseminated throughout our bodies and become part of us. This is why our entertainment choices, our reading habits, our screen time, our news sources, they're all contributing either to the spiritual formation into the image of Christ or the deformation into the image of the devil. 
And Barna's research on some of this, when they were researching millennials that are basically right now, that'd be those who are 27 years of age to 42 years of age, 27 to 42. They did some research on that and they found that they spend about 2,800 hours a year consuming digital content, but only 153 of those hours are Christ-based contents. Meaning just overwhelmingly, what we're feeding into our minds oftentimes are things that are undermining whatever investment we are making into godly thoughts. Whether it's through a cornucopia of YouTube or Instagram or Netflix or Apple, whatever, others. The point is this. Many of us spend hours every day feeding our minds with lies. Cutting off our minds to God's spirit and truth. And whatever time we are spending, if there is much at all, in the morning with the Lord to listen to his voice. It is so short-circuited by the sheer volume of voices we allow into our heads. There is value in just filtering out the voices that you're listening to. And so if we're going to cooperate with the Holy Spirit, one way is reject the unproductive thoughts that come to your mind. The other one is filter them out before they ever come to you. Take a proactive position. Know the triggers that would allow it in in the first place. And then number three, we need to surrender. Surrender every thought. Every thought, not just the bad ones, the good ones too. Every thought is surrendered to Christ. Like if he is the Lord of my life, he is the Lord of my thoughts. And every thought I have, I need to surrender it to his lordship. Every toxic thought, Jesus, I surrender this to you. Every good, godly thought, Jesus, this thought is surrendered to you. Let him be the Lord over every thought. Make it obedient to Christ. That's what 2 Corinthians 10 is talking about. And then number four, we need to promote pure thoughts. We reject the unproductive thoughts. We filter out those bad thoughts. We surrender every thought. And then we, we promote pure thoughts. This is Philippians chapter 4, verse 8, where we read whatever is noble or right or true or pure, lovely, admirable, excellent, praiseworthy. Think about such things. Like, think on that. Like, be selective what you think about. But his command in Philippians 4 is not like, don't think, like stop thinking. His command is start thinking about that which is good and pure and lovely and holy and true and right and admirable and excellent. Like, think on good truth. It's not just stop something, it's start something. It's hard to tell people, you know, hey, stop it. Stop doing that. Stop thinking about that. Stop it. Quit thinking about that. We need to start thinking about that which is good to replace that which is bad. So we need to promote pure thoughts. And then number five, we need to meditate on godly thoughts. Meditate on godly thoughts. The weapons that Paul talks about that he used were the Word of God and prayer. Like in Ephesians 6, which is all about spiritual battle and warfare, he talks about the sword of the Spirit. That sword of the Spirit, that sharp sword is used, the Word of God. And, And prayer. We pray, and we pray for all the saints. On all occasions, we pray. The Word of God and prayer have power to demolish the stronghold in our mind. It's it's replacing 
the lies that Satan has given to us with the truth of God's Word. And we're going to be talking more about that, declaring truth in the, in the coming next week. But we reflect on God's Word and we allow the Holy Spirit to work in our lives. And the, the first thing upon waking that you might do that would contribute to this is not to pick up your phone and start scrolling or start going to news feeds or start reading or start catching up or looking at the weather or whatever it is to prepare for your day. One of the ways we can prepare for this battle that is raging in our minds is if, if the first thing we did was we heard from God and we just allowed His Word to speak to us. We're desperate for His Word. We're hungry for His Word. That's how we abide in Jesus. We let him speak to us through his word and then pray that scripture to him and talk to him. We soak our mind and our imagination in Jesus' truth before they are assaulted with the devil's lies. So we're not saying you shape your life with good thoughts. What we're saying is you, you shape it with God, God thoughts. You let God... Speak into your mind because we have emotional, mental, physical strongholds that have a stronghold on us. They are false beliefs. They are sins. They are habits. They are addictions. They are worries. They are anxieties that can come over time. And over time, they become these massive walls, these fortified strongholds in our life that have such a wall that we just like, we, we can't break through it, and you can't. Your, your wrecking ball of strength is not going to break through that unless you have the power of the Holy Spirit and God demolishing that strong. We've got to be in cooperation with Him. And you might break through a wall of lies and, and finally see the truth of that only to encounter another wall that the enemy is put in front of you, whether it's from his lies straight to your, your mind or whether it's through negative experiences or shortcomings or weaknesses from the past, he brings another wall that in the power of God you tear down so that your mind is whole and healthy and healed. He has given us, as the scripture says in 2 Corinthians 10, the divine power to demolish those strongholds, the fortifications that are in our minds. Every argument against God, every pretension, that means every claim against God, God has given us the divine power through His Spirit to see those walls come down. And He wants to do that in you. And I guarantee you, there are strongholds and there are lies that you have not filtered out. You've not battled well. Maybe you're in, you feel more like Romans 7, Paul. What I want to do, I can't do. And what, what a wretched man I am. And I'm just, the, there's this law that's at work against the law of my mind. And maybe you feel that today. And I want you to know that that same man who wrote that, experienced the power of the Holy Spirit in his life that, that brought him great victory in his life when it came to the thoughts of his mind. And God wants that for you. The war is raging. Many of us feel shell-shocked. And we need to be equipped for the battle in our minds to take every thought captive, to reject, to reject those unproductive thoughts to filter out the bad thoughts, to surrender every thought, to promote the pure thoughts in our mind and to meditate on godly thoughts. This is how we win the war in our minds because you are today. Who you are today is a reflection of whether you did this in the past or not. And who you become in the future 
will reflect on what you do with this today. This is the power of the battle that we're in. And what I want to encourage you this week to do is I want to encourage you to go to our website, to northsidechristchurch.net. That's kind of what it looks like. You go there, and I think it's a play, and you just click up here or scroll down from our homepage, and you'll see Live No Lies. Click on Access Resources. And last week when you did this and you scrolled down, you saw week one, the father of lies. And now today, week two, becoming a thought warrior. It's got the memory verse there that we want to encourage you to memorize this week so that that you're putting scripture into your mind. We don't want you just to think about scripture. We want you to actually think scripture. And so memorize that scripture. This last week, uh, you memorized from John and uh, you memorized that scripture. And this next week, we'll be memorizing from 2 Corinthians. I want you to memorize that scripture, uh, 2 Corinthians 10.4. And so we want to memorize scripture. The second thing I want to encourage you to do is on that drop-down menu, there is a practice, something for you to do this week. And when you click on that link, uh, you're going to be taken to a, a PDF or a page there that's called a, a thought audit. And it's going to allow you to identify some of the lies that you've been believing about yourself or about God or, you know, those lies that you've been believing. You'll, you'll identify some of those lies. It'll give you a chance to, to actually write the truth of what God says and then to make a declaration. In that moment, to make a declaration about what is true to overcome the lies. So we want to encourage you this week, go there memorize the scripture, go through the practice, start doing what it takes to win this battle that's in your mind. And I also just want to say this, if you're here today and you are not yet a follower of Jesus, you're not yet a believer, perhaps you've been resisting him. You know, 2 Corinthians 4.4 says that the evil one, Satan, He has blinded the minds of unbelievers so that they do not see the light. Like it's another way that he comes against us is to blind us, to deceive us, to callous our hearts to what God wants to do. But I want you to know there's someone more powerful than him, the Holy Spirit, who is fighting for you, pursuing you, at work in you. And today, if you sense the Holy Spirit tugging you to follow Jesus and to make him the Lord of your life, I want to talk to you today. I'm going to be here a little bit later in our service. I'm going to be stepping out to Decision Point. I'd love to meet you there. If you're watching online, you can just go to northsidechristianchurch.net slash decision. If you're in a seat right now, there's cards in the seat in front of you. You could begin that conversation right now to say, I I want to begin that relationship. I want to take a next step of faith. I I need to put my trust in him and believe, and I need to repent and confess my sins. I need to be baptized into Christ, be raised new in Jesus. We, we want to walk you through all of that. And we want to give you a chance to respond. Because that's just one more way the evil one wants to destroy you and destroy your life. But I want to give us just a moment here. Just a little bit of space to listen to God before we listen to a testimony on video of someone that many of you probably know and love, but it's going to, Barry's going to share her story of just how God has been winning this fight in her own life, in her own mind, and some of the ways that Celebrate Recovery has been really powerful for her in this journey. 
And uh, next week, we celebrate three years of Celebrate Recovery here at Northside. And so that's going to be a cool day. And that following Monday, you're, on, you're all invited to Celebrate Recovery as we celebrate that anniversary on that Monday night. But um, before we watch this video, I just want to give you a few moments right now just to, just to listen to God. And just kind of ask the question right now, um, God, what would you have me to think? What would you have me to do in light of this message that I've heard today that's rooted from Scripture, rooted in your Word? God, what would you have me do? And I want to just give some space, some quiet. We're just going to dim the lights and just give a little bit of time for you to reflect on that for a moment in your time with the Lord. So let's just reflect on that right now. Lord, thank you for speaking to us. Lord, the things you've impressed upon your heart, may we be obedient to do what you're calling and leading us to do. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Please give your attention to the screens. I'm a grateful believer in Jesus Christ who struggles with pride, and my name's Barry. I didn't grow up a Christian. In fact, I was very resistant to Christians, anything about Jesus, God, or church because of the way I was treated by Christians when I was in elementary school. I had no real Christian influence that I knew of anyway, so I was very much a part of the world, and I believed the secular view of life, women, relationships, and everything else. I became a Christian at 37, accepted Jesus, and was changed profoundly from that time on. I met Jeff here at Northside at 41, married, and had a family. We've come to Northside faithfully, very rarely, missing a Sunday. I've gone to women's Bible study, helped in various ways with the children's and youth programming as my kids grew. I'm involved in a small group and have been Jeff's helper as he taught a Sunday school class for the last 13 years or so. You would think, after 25 years as a Christian, with all that church activity, that I would be there. I'd be one of a good Christian. The problem was, I still had, and have, 
Some patterns of behavior, hurts, habits, beliefs, and ways of responding to people and in relationships that were a result of all those years of living and of the lies I believed about myself, about God, and about others. In the last few years, I knew I needed more. I needed a deeper relationship with and reliance on God. I wanted more, but couldn't seem to conjure it up on my own. So I felt kind of like I, I was a failure, like I wasn't really good enough, whether as a mother or a wife, a friend, or a believer in Jesus. No one I knew talked much about these kind of feelings or depression or stress in a marriage. Superficially, yes, but not the really deep stuff. Even then, my past had taught me I couldn't trust others with those kind of subjects anyway. And most everyone at church always looked and acted like they had it all together, so there was no way I was sharing my failures. I thought for quite a while that I would benefit from going to celebrate recovery, but didn't want to take the time away from family and Jeff, and he didn't seem to be interested in CR anyway. Then Cynthia and Corey Graff started coming to our Sunday school class in late 2002, or 2022, and they spoke of how Celebrate Recovery had benefited them. Cynthia was going to give her testimony at CR last March and invited the whole class to come. Jeff and I went to support Cynthia and Corey, not for any other reason. We ate dinner, we went to large group service, and then went to the newcomer's introductory class and even stayed for coffee and dessert, the whole thing. And when we talked about it in the car afterwards, I was amazed that Jeff wanted to come back and be part of it. Since I, March, I think we've maybe missed like three, three Mondays, except for Jeff's travel. The benefits of being a part of Celebrate Recovery is the closer walk with God, how God works in and reveals the issues that I need His help with in removing from my life, the dependence on God and the realization that I can't change me, that that's really His job to do. The accountability, the support, and lack of judgment there. Everyone's broken and they admit it. No one's perfect. They don't pretend to be perfect or to have it all figured out. Another benefit is seeing the growth and healing as someone works through the Christ-centered 12 steps, the healed relationships in their lives, the freedom from addiction, healthy boundaries in those who are codependent maybe, or, or growing knowledge of who they are in Christ for those who have low self-esteem. Another benefit is the close friendships, people who know the absolute worst about you and don't judge you and love you anyway. The freedom from guilt in confessing past sins and the freedom that comes with admitting those sins and trespasses against others on a daily basis is incredible. Wayne's sermon on the father of lies and Satan's strategy really fits in with my story. Before Celebrate Recovery, I often felt isolated, even among an active, loving church family. Some of those lies, I believe, from my past were never dealt with, and Satan took advantage of the isolation and used it to emphasize and twist those lies in my mind to hinder my relationships with God and with other people. Celebrate Recovery has given me Christ-centered tools to bring to mind God's truth to counteract Satan's lies. I had some of those tools before, but the difference is now I'm no longer isolated. I have many previously broken, hurt people who are on the journey of recovery also. 
There is a transparency, a closeness with other believers, and a gratitude that comes from taking part in Celebrate Recovery. I have no desire to go back to my previous way of life before CR. Thanks for joining us this morning, Northside. Before you go, make sure you check in and let us know you are here. Text the word CHECK to 417-233-1200. If you want to respond to today's service, you can do that online through Decision Point. If you want to know more about baptism or becoming a member, you can request more info at northsidechristianchurch.net slash decision. This is also the place to find out about our life groups, find out what sort of service opportunities there are, or if you just need to get in touch with a minister. And if you're online, you probably use social media too. Make sure you're following along with Northside on our Facebook page, Instagram account, YouTube channel, or Twitter. We are glad that you chose to join us this morning. As we head out for the week, let's make sure we take the love of God with us. Take good care of each other, Northside.